0: I told you, I'm not good on the... Cu- you can't put me on the spot for those things. They don't ever come to me. No, they don't. They really don't.
1: No, but everybody listens just to hear Zeke's, like, wisdom. So they always want to hear him say something. I mean, man pooped on the side of a building one time when he was running and told everybody about it.
2: They had to go. And sometimes you got it. Did you see the YouTube where that lady took a dump in the store in Canada? No. Yeah, they wouldn't let her in the bathroom. but it was no public bathroom. I mean, just poop right there in the store and then grabbed a bunch of napkins, wiped her ass and then threw the napkins and the poop at the people behind the counter. Even better. Uh, Canadians. The, 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 the finishing move, there is priceless. <laughs> Although
0: I feel like that's got to be something that folks no, in gotta, New Orleans... You gotta, you
2: gotta look it up. I feel like like folks lady, in New Orleans have to see that all the time, though. You know, like... You yeah, have the problem they don't, like... I don't think the people in New Orleans pick it up and throw it at you. Yeah. They're just like, I'm just gonna go have a dump in the street real quick. That's an extra oh, level. I mean, she was bitter. And they ask you, like, do you need some napkins? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, thanks. But I think they were thinking after
1: that, like, we should have just let that woman go to the bathroom.
2: (laughs) To me, it's it's (laughs) the exact opposite. I'm like, this, you know, this is why you have big signs that say no public restrooms, right? It's just like the Big Lebowski moment. Like, you see what happens. <laughs> I just want to uh, who, who chewed the ass out of the person for giving away the napkins. <laughs> oh, what did you give her the napkins for? Yeah, like, on the floor because she was throwing, she was like throwing dookie at me, dude. Like, <laughs> what? I wasn't giving her napkins. I was trying to get my own. Yeah, yeah but look it up. It's 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 hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good open. <laughs>
1: everyone. My name is John Edwards, and with me is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. Hello, hello. Hello. That's all you got today? <laughs> you don't have anything
0: else? You didn't tell me to say sentences or words or do a cartwheel
1: or anything. Well, you normally have more than that. You normally you know, have something to bring to the table you you spent today oh i got i got stuff i brought to the table but don't
0: you worry well i I, I have a good friend with us today well is is that not enough to bring to the table
1: john no i was gonna say i was gonna say we have a man (laughs) who brought more to the table than you because he has three bottles sitting at this table and the best whiskey bar in nashville behind us we are sitting here in gertie's bar for for kitchen The man sitting to my right, the man, the the legend, Chef Matt Bolas, thank you very much for joining the dads. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you for coming
2: down. It's always fun to do this at the office. I know. Someone else's office.
1: If this is my (laughs) office, if this is your office, and and, uh, if this were my office, I would be a very, very happy man.
2: Well, I mean, we don't... So, other than Sunday, we're not open in the the morning or the afternoon. Uh, We do brunches here Sunday, so people are here, but... um, monday through saturday there's really nobody here until two-ish i get in eight thirty in the morning and so i can just kind of chill and uh come down here and sometimes shut the blinds turn the the, the bar lights on whatever and, and yeah it's quiet it's you get the low hum of the, the hvac and you know you just look at stuff Thank you for pointing that out too. For anyone
1: who's listening, there might be a mom in this episode. Uh, I feel like it's maybe a, a, a
0: two-tiered office setup. You can come in here and uh, get creative juices flowing, so to speak, and then uh, go
2: back and hit the kitchen and really go to town. Yeah, it's like a noise machine, right? Man, it's supposed to soothe you so you can sleep better. That's all this is. My daughter sleeps with one of those, so it's yeah, perfect. It's my wife that and earplugs and and apparently I still snore. <laughs> Or she said the other day when she woke me up, you're making alien noises. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't me.
1: Yeah, the earplugs are definitely... Uh, I think every wife has earplugs next to the bed. Yeah. just blames everything on us all yeah. the time. The yeah, one it's... question everybody wants to know, though. You all ever right. take a nap on this couch in
2: here? I oh Yeah, I've taken a nap on this couch. Yeah. So if uh, you're sitting a, it's, here... It's a comfortable couch. I mean, it's not... I don't want it at home, but it's... Yeah, it's...
1: So sure. if you're sitting in Gertie's bar, chances are a chef has yeah. sat down and uh, taken a little snooze on this thing.
2: Looks nice. I didn't mean, mean to. Uh, it's happened a couple of times. I didn't mean to the first time, probably the third or fourth or fifth or however many times it's happened. But. Yeah, you come down here and you get away from things. And um, you're laying there and, and typically, like the rest of us, the rest of America and the world... We're on our phone, answering an email or a text, or getting caught up on something, and, and uh, then you eventually like go to social media, and you're flipping through that, which turns into like a Scrabble game or something, and then you fall asleep, and then you wake up and you think, "Oh, I just fell asleep at work. That's bad."
1: Oh, it's okay. Nobody's here. <laughs>
2: No, I feel you. Yeah, Except uh, the guys in the kids are like, chef. Yeah. <laughs> hey. It's just, no, I was just getting caught up on emails. And, you know, I'm on the phone.
0: I used to get what chewed for lie. that for forever. I think all through college, end ended up learning how to sleep on a sofa really well in any position. So now, I mean, every night, fall asleep watching TV. <laughs> yeah. You, you right. used to come down there and get yelled at somewhere between two and four, and I think she finally gave up. Like, I don't care. If he's not complaining about crooking his neck or laying in some awkward position, oh well.
2: So, no, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's it, It's true. It's just like I can sleep anywhere. Um, and uh, it's funny, my wife will wake me up and say, Why don't you go to bed? It's like, I, I, I was asleep. You, maybe you missed that when you woke me up. Was, was I disturbing any? No, I wasn't. Leave me alone then. All of these sound like, uh, <laughs> Things I've heard, things I've heard myself. <laughs> Coming out of your own mouth, right?
1: Oh, I liked uh, the other morning, my, my daughter woke up at six, and sometimes when that happens, I let her get in bed, and my wife had gone over to the couch, and so it was my daughter and I in the bed, but I put cartoons on. I put, like, Mickey and the Roadster Racers, or <laughs> Frozen, or something. Yeah, like, right? And my wife was like, well, you fell back asleep. And I said, Well, what did you expect me to do? I put the cartoon on
2: so I could fall back asleep. Yeah, so they they're they're am How about a sleepo That's, That's I think done. <laughs> that extra
0: 30 minutes. People
1: don't understand how extra much extra 20. Was. I mean,
2: truly I, I can I can power nap it. It's 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 um it's giving up that, that really bothers you when you take a nap. And for me, I've just realized after almost forty-two years of life, I hate waking up. I don't I don't mind getting very little sleep. I don't mind... I don't necessarily, like, just... I'm not the kind of guy that can just lay down in bed and go to sleep. Like if I'm really tired, I'll, I'll stand up in that corner and go to sleep. My wife doesn't stand, like, there's so much going on, like, in my head all the time that I can't just turn it off and lay down and go to sleep. Well, let's, um, let's talk about
1: that before yeah. we even get in... To all of the whiskey here, oh. I mean, first and foremost, you are a chef. Uh, anybody who's seen the progression of 404 Kitchen in Nashville knows that you opened this up. It was across the street. It was in a shipping container, so it was yep. super cool. There was a, uh, wasn't there a hotel on the back that had like Still, one room,
2: not five? Yeah, we knocked it down to four. We opened the pizza joint. We uh, took one of the rooms for a bigger kitchen.
1: Super cool concept. Nobody else in Nashville yeah. ever had a restaurant, a shipping container up until that point. It was, <laughs> it was great food. It was a There's great location. That. <laughs> <Before
2: that. laughs>
1: but it was great food in a great location. It was before the Gulch turned into what the Gulch is now. I think the only thing that was around then yeah, was no. the icon. But how did I, um, you get started? Really- you know, how do you get started? What what got oh, you wow. into cooking, and then eventually opening your own restaurant?
2: The long version or the short version. We uh, the, we, we have whiskey. whiskey. We can the long version's just like a half a second longer than the short version, <laughs> but it sounds fancy to say the long version of the short version <laughs> it sounds more interesting. Uh, no, I um I got into cooking with, with my mom. I, my parents both had careers. And my dad traveled a lot, and my mom's my mom's business was on the the property that i grew up on and i don't know for whatever reason i guess i was i had this this source of inspiration I mean, to say the truth i'd probably done something wrong and was trying to make amends and i called her down at work and asked her if i could help out around the house somehow and because you know most pre-teens or do that right yeah that's the first thing i think of every day uh (laughs) i probably blown some shit up or something i don't know i was trying to say i'm sorry before she even found out about it. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> By the way, the vacuum's screwed. Uh, I made dinner. I tried to build a robot. Yeah, here's some spaghetti. Cheers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, she was like, "Yeah, you, you know, you can vacuum the house." I'm like, oh, that's can't, I can't do that. The vacuum's gone. You know, you can fold laundry. I'm like, oh man, that's just that's just not interesting at all. It's like, why don't you cook dinner? And I thought. You know, I remember making this dish in, in Boy Scouts, and it's uh, spaghetti. It's just, you know, meat. So I started doing it, and I told her what I was going to do, and she said, okay, I'll be up there in a little bit. And she comes home, and I'm making the spaghetti. And uh, I, I distinctly remember this. It's, it's weird. She made me pour all the fat off of the meat after I had gotten done cooking it. Now, I don't mean like I French butter and onions and garlic. I mean, I just threw some Kroger's meat in a pan. I don't even <laughs> think I used salt and pepper, right? <laughs> And uh, but I had to pour all the meat, all the all the, the fat off of it. And I remember telling her it's not what we did in scout camp. And uh, she's like, yeah, but you don't want that much fat in there. It's not good for you. So then I boiled the noodles and put the prego in there, whatever jarred sauce we had. And then you had spaghetti dinner. And I remember thinking, man, this isn't this doesn't taste the same. And I never knew why until years later. And I got into this career, and it dawned on me like, oh, I poured the fat out, <laughs> right? Pour a lot of flavor out, and. I just from there. It was just something that I guess my mom and I kind of bonded over doing. And and like I said, my dad and he worked for Pilot Oil. And he would take off on a plane with the ex governor and his brother, and, and they'd be gone until Saturday. be Monday, come back Saturday or Friday night. Or, and uh, so mom and I were you know home most of the time together. And she was always encouraging, like, hey, you know, I think we should take cabbage and you know this crazy spice that I found on the counter that I can't even pronounce. And the cabinet can't even pronounce. And you know, we should microwave it for like twenty-seven minutes. She's like, "That's gonna blow up." But if you gotta <laughs> do it, let's try it. And it, you know, it would it would just turn into absolute just horrific bad. And we go to Cracker Barrel and get dinner or whatever. And, um, but you know, it was just one of those like, hey, you know, you're the girl you're dating in high school and it was like, "Man, I should I should make I should make Annie a cake." She's like you should because it goes out and buys the heart cake molds and yeah it was just a box cake but yeah. we made it together and iced it and, and all that it, so it was it was it was kind of that and it's just I don't know I just found that that if I didn't try hardly at all I could make decent food if I applied myself a little bit I could make good food and if I really put myself into it I could I could make t- decent food and I didn't want to do it I wanted to be I wanted to be a uh, stupid rich, you know, whatever gazillionaire on Wall Street, fancy cars and helicopters and houses and boats and all the all the unimportant things in life. So that's what I did. I went to college and studied finance, and I worked in restaurants all through the all through college. And, um, got to work for Merrill Lynch, and I made a ton of money, and and I hated every day of my life. I realized one day, I was sitting and looking at how much money I'd made that week thinking about how much happier I was at midnight on my hands and knees scrubbing a floor in a kitchen with the camaraderie and the the euphoric feeling of going through a rough service and cooking good food and and over the, the subsequent weeks I started thinking about man, you have a good day and you go home and cook a big dinner, invite people over, you have a bad day, you do the same you know, office everybody brings a treat in like everybody stops by Krispy Kreme and we end up with 14 different boxes of Krispy Kreme that are inevitably the same donut. I'm the idiot that stays up until three at the morning hand rolling butter into brioche. I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know why. It just sounded like something like damn that much butter and bread sounds really good and then I'm am going to put some really nice chocolate in there and bake it all off. and I mean like the ladies at the office are going to lo- love it. I didn't think that. They blew up about it. I thought shit I just made some muffins right? It's just <laughs> muffins aren't they? Not muffins like I made brioche by hand. Literally one of the, one of the girls I worked with it's like, I just called my mom and she told me if I met a man that hand rolled brioche, like, I should marry him right now. It's like, it's a muffin. She's like, you're well, an idiot. So, that story would be so much better if that was really your
0: wife? Right
2: now. <laughs> no, but oddly, small, small, um, you know, small world, my wife went to college with him. Didn't even know it, but they were, yeah, they were Shit. Carson Newman together.
1: That's crazy. Um, it's funny. Yeah. There's so much to unpack already from that story, but the one thing <laughs> I love how cooking and whiskey, and you know, I do 99.9% of the cooking in my household. Yeah. But I love how cooking and whiskey bring you back to those old factory memories and the old factory senses. Yeah. And all I could think of while you were telling that story was that my dad used to always have. Beside, uh, beside his his recliner a jar of peanuts or cashews. Yeah. But we oh, yeah. always pour the fat into the old
2: peanut can. Yeah, sure,
1: sure. And I was just thinking of that. You know, we cook with were... that, right? Yeah.
2: Like, and, and, I mean, we're, all three of us are still here. It, it's crazy.
1: So you speeding up the story, I think, a little bit and, and wanting to give you justice. I'm assuming at that point you said, my heart's not here. I want to get back into restaurants. Absolutely. And then... How did you work your way up to where you are now? I mean, that <laughs> <made> 24 years. <laughs> throws back big gulp
0: of
2: bourbon.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, in about... Yeah.
1: Sum it up in about 30 seconds. Right? No.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, it was it was just one of those where... I don't know. It, it's true. When you find work in your passion, it's not necessarily work. And, and a lot of people would might dismiss it as work ethic or uh, even stupidity because just plenty of times that, that I chose work over a lot of important things in life and, and uh, it wasn't necessarily about it being work it was about it being fun it was about it being like I just I don't know at one in the morning and I'm rolling foie Wellington. wellingtons like I didn't look at it as necessarily as just this horrible thing I had to do it's like <laughs> I got to get this done because we're going to sell them tomorrow. Like, this is epic, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just... It's funny. I got into the restaurant business. People ask me what my first job was there because they immediately think, oh, I just went out and got a job as a, you know, the fry guy. What did what did um, Louie Anderson start in Coming to America? Was he on, on salads or... I forget what he's going to because that's where the big money's at. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, he just started off as, as, a, as on the grill or, what you know, and... and I did, and I started as a host. Again, I wanted to be in finance, and I started at this mom and pop restaurant, this this uh, local joint that we all went to, that the, the uh, west side of Knoxville where I grew up. And they didn't do reservations; they didn't do call ahead seating. You'd walk in, you give them your name, you'd, you'd, you know, we'd write it up on the chalkboard, and you just kind of went in order, and. My friend's parents would come in on Friday and, like, you know, slip me 10 bucks or whatever, and you yeah, <laughs> five bucks or but probably back then it was a dollar. I don't know, it was 95. Like, it's a long time ago, right? But the gas was five, still under a dollar. 80, 85 cents a gallon. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, so, you know, 10 bucks was a lot more meaningful. Uh, but anyway, so they would do that, and I would obviously I'd put their name at the top of the list. And so the, the owner says to me one day, Hey, are you taking bribes? And I was like, <laughs> No, and again, stupid me. Like I don't. Brioche is in a muffin, right? I cooked it in a muffin tin. Whatever, <laughs> idiot. Um, it's like no. What do what you bribes? Those are bad things. Like <laughs> no. And uh, he's like, well, you should be. <laughs> yeah, no. He, he says um, people aren't coming in and paying you money for to get ahead. And the rest said, oh, you mean the, 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 the this comes in or that comes in? You know, yeah they give me a tip and, and I help them get a table quicker he's like that's a bribe bro <laughs> like oh, come on he goes you know as he said I've known your parents a long time they say you like to cook you ever thought about working in a in a, in a restaurant kitchen I said I mean, that sounds that sounds super fun and I mean, I'll tell you how much fun it was it's like I remember my dad we, we did a, a a birthday for him it was like his 45th birthday maybe or something I don't remember and I was working for Randy at the time I went Sunday morning. We were having this big cookout, and it was basically I bought like ten pounds of shrimp from Randy, got it for me at cost, and, and I went to use the kitchen to, to peel and devein them, get them on skewers, and ready for the grill, and everything. I thought it was a hot shot. It's like, dude, the dish guy didn't show up. Can you help me out? Like, yeah, man. So I ran dish for three or four hours until somebody else came in. I was just like, hell yeah, this is what I do. This is what I love it. And then and then still went to the to the cookout for my dad's birthday party and cooked everything. And, you know, it was it was just part of it. It's just, and I didn't realize how much, how much I loved it until I got out of it, and then realized this adulting thing sucks. I don't, yeah. I don't like having to wear suits.
1: <laughs> I really enjoy though the fact that the the way that you found your way in into the back, getting
2: in, into <laughs> and the back rhymes. of is
1: <laughs> <It's> financial means. <laughs> we're we're going to put you in a place where people can't see you,
2: yeah, and right. Give you money, yeah.
1: There, there's something to be said about that. I mean, that's like Zeke and I having faces for radio or a podcast. Yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna love put
2: it. you at a place where people don't <laughs> that's see. <for> radio.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I get that one a lot. Uh, so I'm sure,
2: I'm sure I got that too.
1: All of this, you, you know, you're in there, you work, you work your way up. I'll skip ahead a little bit more sure what made you decide to open 404 in the first place
2: oh you know there was no decision really it, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't my idea it was, I almost turned it down I'd worked for a big hotel in Charleston and uh, you know it's the it, same reason I turned down my mom's business she had this super successful boarding kennel growing up and it came time for her to retire it's just like Are you sure you don't want this I told her forever I don't want it damn, she's making just damn good money most of it's in cash, and all these bonuses. And I said, "No, I just because growing up, like the blizzard in '93, right? We didn't have power for five days, right? I remember that? Um, he, he would have been in New England, but it, it was rough in Georgia too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was in an Knoxville. and and um, uh, what year wasn't a blizzard where I grew yeah, up? Yeah, right, that's exactly. What I know. But my parents, myself, my cousin, and his then wife, all in one room that we put. Built up all over the windows and doorways and, and we're burning a wood-burning stove the whole time. There was twenty some odd trees down across our driveway. We didn't get, I mean, look, couldn't leave the property for five days. Damn dogs and cats, 72 degrees, cause we got propane heaters going and, and they're fed twice a day and their their runs are clean twice a day and, and we're trying not to freeze to death in our own home, but those buggers got it made. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that was the thing. You know, like, <coughs> Christmas Day, you got up and you... And you yeah, come on. Every day was, was about them first. Every night was about them last. It was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I didn't want that. Like, we couldn't go on vacation anywhere without umpteen million plans to make sure the kennel was okay. And... You know, the girl that, that bought it from my parents, who I went to high school with, and her and her husband they're doing extravagantly well. Uh, and literally, it's like no remorse, no jealousy, no... I, I didn't want it, right? And so, that between that and working at the hotel in Kiowa, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Christmas, who gives a shit? People are coming in to eat. Thanksgiving, you don't have a family. You have work. It's, and so, uh, I got presented this idea, and there's going to be a, you know, a hotel now pass my buddy said you should talk to this guy alright I'll talk to him we sat down a guy named Mark Banks is a, a developer here in town and uh, yeah man we just got to start to chat and he's like this is going to be cool and I said uh, room service God, we got to have it and I said let's talk about it like let's financially talk about it because we got to pay a person 15 bucks an hour to stay here all night in case somebody's wanting something and, and the reality is what are they going to want a $12 sandwich and maybe one room gets it. Maybe let's say all five rooms get get twelve dollars sandwich. You still told sixty dollars. Hadn't paid for the overnight person. Yeah, they can do a little bit of prep here and there, but the reality is, it's it's unless you have two hundred and fifty rooms, you lose money at it. And so we kind of financially backed our way out of it, you know. And then it was more of a boutique. It was almost an Airbnb as opposed to an actual hotel visit, and. You know, it became this quaint little um, apartment in another city that you don't have to pay for. It became this uh, home away from home. And and that's kind of what we wanted to turn it into. So, and then the the restaurant was like, when I started, the plans had one wood burning oven and uh, like a pizza oven and some refrigerators. And so we redid all of that. And the walk in where it sits now was a parking place originally. It's like, dude, we got to have a walk-in. Like, and it's not even a walk-in. I mean, the two of us couldn't stand in it together. Um, <laughs> it's the worst walk-in ever to go in and scream and punch things. So
1: I feel like it simple. had to have put you at an advantage, not to interrupt no, you. No, but right. but the, the whole finance side of your career, you know, when you're looking at something, say a chef that really just goes in and just says, not saying that those chefs can't do it, but a chef might go in and just say, "I really love cooking, and and all I really care about is having a kitchen where I look. You know, I I need a grill here, I need a fridge here, I need that there. You're also coming in at it from. What's your ROI going to be? What's your credit versus your debit? What are you bringing in? Let's actually look at the books and see is this something that's feasible before we even go do it.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's that, but it's also, I mean, you, you look at it and you say, uh, there's in this business too, it's, it's weird because there is a thousand ways to skin a cat and sometimes people don't look at it out of ego or out of stupidity or out of uh, unwillingness to learn. Um, some are, are just uberly cheap for the same reasons. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you, you get this kind of base model and, and if you don't understand finance, you're not necessarily gonna get it. It's just a lot of numbers out there. What do they all mean and well how do they all matter? Um, but yeah, I mean it is. It was it was nice to be able to to be able to look at a spreadsheet and to look at a at a um P&L statement and, and back our way into things. Well
0: I'm sure you can't just follow your heart, put good food on the table and end up with money at the end of the day. I mean if that's the case, no, then that's, the where the, uh, that's, where, that's where all the that's that's where all the belly-up restaurants uh, come into You know, I heard distillers
2: say the best way to make a small fortune in distilling is start with a large fortune. <laughs> um, restaurants are an easy way to lose money quick. Yeah, my dad, when I was growing up, he used to uh, liquidations
0: for SBA, and yeah, every night days he was in New Orleans at a, you know, some big pulling up a restaurant. I mean, restaurants, mm-hmm. so much turnover, like. We'd go down on with Tuesday or Wednesday, and I knew I knew what Lawton and tagging was at a very
2: tender age. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's funny too. Everybody talks about, hey, don't buy a new car; they depreciate so fast. Don't buy new restaurant equipment. Oh yeah, I, I remember you're telling countless you people get that ten cents on the dollar the day you buy it. So, you, you'd see somebody like, "Why the hell did you buy that? I can get you
0: one for dirt."
2: Like, yeah, there's three of sitting there. Come on. It's like you know, do you buy this twelve thousand dollar stand up refrigerator? Or do you buy the $2,000 one that needs $1,000 in work? And it's going to need $1,000 in work every, you know, 90 to 180 days. You can do that for several years before you're into the 12 grand mark, right? Yeah. And, he, again, people let egos uh, go past them. I mean, is that, is that $600 toilet seat going to make a difference in your meal? Is that $20,000 lamp going to make a difference in your meal? Is that, you know, other than the real... The real big shop places. A lot of those things don't matter.
1: Well, I want to take a break for a second, not for uh, ads because we're not taking (laughs) a break for ads. I just want people to remember that we are a, a drinking show. I want people to remember that we are a drinking show first and foremost. Now, Chef Bolas has three wonderful whiskeys sitting on the table. All of these were picked by the 404 kitchen and Matt and his crew So the first one we have here is an Old Forester single barrel. Now, anybody who follows the whiskey community in Nashville, and for those of you that are listening and interested about the whiskey community in Nashville, this was actually a big deal. So Chef Bowles had an Old Forester dinner. Jackie Zyken came down here to 404 Kitchen. They went up there with her and actually picked this barrel. I was very sad that I missed out on that dinner, but there was a big to-do about it um, here in Nashville. And, and for people that are, you know, we will get to this in the interview, but as I look on the shelf here, a lot of these now are 404 Kitchen Pits. And if you think about kind of the two main places in town, and you see some other places starting to do it now, it was Husk and 404 Kitchen that were pretty much the places to go for whiskey picks. And, and this is a whole thing to talk about. But I say that, and Zeke, this might be the creamiest damn Old forester single barrel I've ever had.
0: This is where I love our relationship, because you get to talk about it, I just sit here and drink it with a big
1: smile. Oh, it's it's really good. I mean, I can't get over. I've had some of these that were good, but I've never had one that coats your mouth. Like this one does. And this is where we talk about whiskey just so people remember that we do talk about whiskey first and foremost. Well, we drink it as well. So. We drink it, yeah. Uh, but no,
0: this is a great pick. There's something mid-palate that I can't verbalize at the time being, but it turns. It doesn't have the... It's not signature brown form, but it's not bad either. It, it's some off-profile curve that I, I, can't, I can't put my finger on what it is, but it just... Does something right there? Uh, it just does something right there. I don't there. know. <laughs> well, no, I really can't describe it. But the middle of my right? tongue, it turns and it, it just doesn't do what old faro does in my mind. No, right. the, the funny the char thing char sits on it a little awkwardly. It's not too oaky, but you don't get um, that whole kind of banana over fruity flavor it, it definitely shows just a tad more age and like a. Uh, if you're doing s'mores, yep. this is definitely the marshmallow that, that the guy got a little bold on and. You somebody says you need to blow it out now. Blow it out now, and he's like, "One, two, two and <laughs> oh! now. it's right where you want it, son. Try that s'more."
2: Yeah, it's, it's seriously that's <laughs> it.
0: You know, but um, it's like
1: caramel. It's like caramel in the beginning, and then there's almost a green note in the middle. Not green in a youthful way, but like I, I know what you're saying. It's that little switch, and then it's a little more smoky on back palate.
2: Yeah. Well to me also too there's this like like candied cherry that I don't get on normal old Forster where I, it's like on the nose. There's a funk to it that it's usually for me for old Forester it's it's more of a, a wood tannin that I get up front. And this is kinda like a almost like a jar of griot cherries that's about to go bad, but in quiet and you're like, ha ah, ha you tantalizing little things you know?
1: <laughs> no, and that, uh, that green note, that's the funk I yeah, think I'm there's getting. Big, exactly. It's
2: like right mid
1: palate, it's that funk. You said the word. I was trying it's, it's, to come up a, with it.
0: It's at some point of, like, like I said, almost going to turn into something else and not what quite the younger predecessors are, but right, it, it's in a sweet spot for, for sure.
1: Do you know
2: what the age is on that one? Uh, it's five years old, I think. That, that, that tastes, tastes a lot older than they're not. They're not old. None of these really are. I agree with you. Definitely tastes older than, than, than five years. Um, Jackie was not necessarily happy. I mean, What she expressed when I picked it? Uh, She had pulled that barrel for the gift shop, and they got in the lineup. (laughs) (laughs) So she wasn't...
1: (laughs) (coughs) 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 So it wasn't that she was upset that it was picked. She just wanted it picked for
2: herself. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It's just the wrong picker. Yeah.
1: At at first I was waiting for you to be like, uh she didn't like this barrel, so she mm. told me no. But no, it's completely No she liked the way barrel. Around.
2: She liked the barrel. Obviously she just uh didn't I don't know, she didn't think I'd pick it though. She didn't realize I was looking for funky.
1: Oh no, that's like uh I'm going to do a pickup at, at wild turkey this week and Bruce always talks about how there's a barrel
2: that he really likes he finds out that eddie gave it away to somebody and he gets all bummed up. yeah well i mean you know it's eddie was another one when i picked up that, that barrel of kentucky spirit let's say eddie's a man of few words and i went through my reasoning why. he just kind of stared at me oh, okay and we just kept tasting barrels and there was these three kind of off the way and under the window ugly barrels I was—I yeah. really wasn't even looking at them. I was looking out the window, and they just had me in front of me. And he walked over and he said, are "These the kind of barrels that you were talking about?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. I guess I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Play it, and on. it was Play it yeah. On. That was one of those that we picked. And so, <laughs> well, when you have just the
1: happen. the carte blanche to be able to have him open up just barrels that are sitting there, you know, you've done something right.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I wish. It got a little spoiled by some other distillers that kind of let us run around the rick rickhouses with a drill, um, <laughs> and the Glencairn, and um, but to me that's the personality of it. You know, there's no accountant or scan gun or or anything else that tells you what to what what's ready or what needs to leave, and, and you know maybe this this four and a half year old bourbon is just stellar. Yeah, and maybe it's not. And you know, when you get five barrels in front of you, or three barrels in front of you, you say, "Hey, this is the best we got." And then My first question is, really? Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I've seen places in there. No, there. I, I'm just some dude from Middle Tennessee. Like, you're telling me I came all the way to this distillery, and this is the you pulled the best three barrels you, you have in this entire joint. No, I think it's sadly... i find that to be a load of shit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, it's going to
0: slowly become more commonplace where people do just walk out and say, I mean, this is the best Ah, you got. I'll come back another day, but this this, this isn't that that far above par to be considered best to me.
1: And I think it's one of those things where I think it's really more in the past few years because, say, five years ago, you were going in, not everybody was going to do a barrel pick. It was a big undertaking for you as a business owner to put up ten grand or whatever it is saying, you know what, I'm going to buy this whole damn barrel. Right. Especially being a restaurateur, you're not seeing a restaurant go in and saying like, all right, well, I'm going to buy an Elijah Craig barrel for 5000 Right. Know that it's going to sit there because we might go through a case in two months. That's the kicker. And it's then tough. you have a store, you know, stores would have their barrel, but not everybody was getting behind it, so a store's being asked to put a bunch of overhead in on a prayer that people align with their palate and trust their palate, but now I think it's it's almost kind of, the tide has shifted in the sense that allocations are so hard to get or so yeah. expensive. Yeah, and, and this is no disrespect for you, I mean, when you go to a bar, getting a pour of... Something that's highly allocated, you know, not everybody's going to spend a hundred bucks for an ounce of Patty. Sure, no. I don't know what you charge here, but I'm just saying it's not a hundred restaurants <laughs> in general.
2: <laughs> but, um, right. no, no, it, well, so that's the dilemma. And, and what are you trying to build? A, a, uh, a curated list is what I'm trying to do. And you know what? Some of our prices aren't cheap, some of our prices are. Um, but the reality is when you know. Two Bottles hit middle Tennessee. You know, if you put that up there at cost, which we did, you know, that lasted a week. And so,
1: what and he's pointing so, to,
2: not, not yeah, to you cut can, you off, but obviously, to, you can't see to describe,
1: <laughs> to describe to the listeners. So, two bottles of OFC hit middle Tennessee, and the first thing that Matt did is he went up on Instagram and he went up on Facebook and he said, Listen. I'm going to offer this at cost to anybody who comes in. It's a hundred bucks an ounce. If you want to come in and have OFC, it's typically a two thousand dollar bottle. I'm going to put this up at cost and and come on in and taste it. And I was one of those people that did it. And uh, you guys might have seen my tasting notes on it. We don't have to go into it now, but I mean that was a very Stand up thing to do. So thank you very well, much. It went fast too,
2: didn't it? I, I, it went fast too. Yeah, I, mean, it, I tried, it, it, tried to make it down. It, it, that's the thing. It, I mean, it lasted about a week, and so people out there are going, "Ah, yeah," but you offered it at cost. Well, the reality is, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast are probably also on the secondary market, and so you take a bottle that's. Wait, people
1: know. complained that you offered it at cost.
2: No, I'm just saying, like oh. they're, they're, they'll say, you don't have to. You don't have to make that much money on something. It's not about how much money you make. It's about, it's about the market. And, and, you know, when when you put a bottle of William Larue up on the shelf and you offer it at a normal margin, right? And you take this bottle and you say, okay, it's 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 uh, twenty eight dollars a glass. How long is that bottle here? And that's literally that bottle's here for four days tops, at the very most, right? I so said it's gone for the rest of the year, and you don't have a list, so you you know you 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 have to, mark you have to price it to close to the secondary market. People where they will enjoy it, but they won't come in and and, and just you know. Well,
0: yeah. I mean the three of us I'll, sitting I'll, here. I'll take a four finger pour, Matt. Thanks.
2: That, well, <laughs> you know we went, we, I went to Birmingham to film uh, some stuff with Southern Living, and and we got there. My sous chef and I, or my chef de cuisine, and I got there late. There's a bar two doors down from the hotel, and we were looking for food, and we sat down. The guy's like, man, we're not serving food. This is Waffle House across the street. If you want something, bring it back over. We don't care. And, and I looked up. I said, oh, man, you go, well, they're 12 How much is that a pour? And the guy's like, oh, man, it's kind of expensive. And I thought, it's $12. How much is it? Oh. It's ten dollars a pour, and I said, "I'll take two doubles, my man." <laughs> and and my my CDC said, "We drinking tonight?" And I said, "Just this one." But if they've got that on the shelf, they've had it for a while. And at ten dollars a pour, and people in Birmingham think that's expensive, we're going to enjoy it again tomorrow. Sure enough, we did. And it was just like, and the guy, and, and there was a he the guy literally brings it out the William Larue, and he said, "Well, we got this. If you want to try it." He said, "This is this is twenty dollars a glass." And I said, "Fantastic!" You were I, like, "Can I just you know take the ounces of that bottle, and it's still
1: going to be cheaper than
2: secondary?"
1: So just we'll take the bottle over. Okay. So
2: there's yeah, the to get away with it, but but the, you know the reality is we're trying to curate a list, and we want you to be able to try four different years of Thomas Handy in one sitting, or or three years of Pappy twenty three in one sitting. If you want to do it, and uh, is it expensive? But some is, some some isn't. Uh, well,
0: it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, though. I mean, think about it. If, you, if you're if priced too low, then yeah, everybody's going to run in here and drink it. It's gone in a week. Well, everybody loved you if there were the few that got to drink it, but the rest of the population that was, hey, I was out of town or I missed it, or I can't come into town in two months right. and still pay for it at a reasonable price, but I know I can find it. So do, right. you, do you appease a small percentage of the masses in a very short span, or the whole other sect of... The, you know, community. When it's funny
2: too, we got a we got a a, a guy that used to really kind of kind of shit on us. I don't know any other way to explain it. And I was at a, a raffle one time for an allocation raffle, and he introduces himself to me, and I and he said, "I just want to tell you," who I almost I said, "I know exactly who you are. You're the guy that tells everybody not to come drink at my place." Like he's like, "Yeah, well, your prices are stupid," and I said. And I just see you pay $850 for a bottle of wild turkey the other day, and he stared at me, and I said, Oh, that's right. I, I, I watched the boards too, my man. <laughs> I said, And I'm, I'm pretty sure you sold that same bottle for like 950 or $1,000. I said, So you're okay selling it at secondary, but you won't you won't drink it at secondary. Oh, and, and it's he said, That's not, not, even at not it. And I said, it's, And it's not. That's it. It's just not. You but know. there's
1: always a happy medium. I, I mean, I think. The the seasoned bourbon drinker is going to understand. You know, there's retail, there's restaurant price, and then there's secondary price. Right. And the restaurant price is going to fall somewhere in between. But right, going back to that OFC, and not to you know, not to tell your secrets. You and I have never had a conversation about this. I mean, it's a hell of a marketing play. I got to give my hat off to you for that because. That's getting people in your restaurant.
2: Well, but also that square. I mean, it's that a white towel you see there is by design. One day I want to have a case there, and what I want is 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 kind of like milk for a grocery store, right? I mean, it's funny. You if you look at my invoices, when we buy a gallon of milk here, it's about twice the price it is at the grocery. It's because grocery stores typically just don't make any money on milk. It's their it's their lost leader. You come in because this Kroger has dollar ninety nine gallons of milk, whatever. And then you buy everything else, right? Yep. Cool. Um, gasoline's the same way. You know, gas companies don't make that much at the pump. They make more when you go inside. And so, but also in the sense of, hey, I'm not personally going to buy a $2,500 bottle to have at home and sip on. And and maybe, there's plenty of guys I know that do, but but also it's like secondary. Let's talk about them. That's a six dollars $7,000 bottle secondary. Like, hell with it. Let's just put it up. And then I'm trying to knock wood. Hopefully somebody hears this because we've talked about it. Um, maybe the next one's a double eagle, and we put it up. You know, maybe I can get somebody to clear an old '60s bottle of old Fitzgerald or or an old '40s bottle of old Taylor stuff like that, and get that. You know, a, a bottle of Jack Daniels, a, a true Sinatra era Jack Daniels right Sinatra so formula like, I
1: think we have a mutual friend that could probably oh
2: yeah should, well exactly but partner. I'm saying like <laughs> let's put that he might up. live across the street <laughs> he, he may live close <laughs> um let's put that up and let's let people enjoy it like I, and again I'm not going to buy a $2,500 bottle um but I'll, you know, I'll pay you $100 well, we, for a glass we'll of it because we'll I that, a lot of
0: the more allocated stuff when you can get your hands on it call up all your buddies all right we all know what we're paying we need this many hands That's in the pot it. Everybody gets an equal split. We also we tasted it, and That's exactly keep it right. Moving, no, it's, it. it's the, it's almost the best way, to I guess enjoy allocated bourbon to this day and
2: age. Well, or, or 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 old maybe the only way, or, you know, I, I tried a, jazz um, burn steakhouse, and paid sixty five dollars at the time 10, 12 years ago, for a glass of eighteen sixty five cognac, right. And it was like the half ounce or the one ounce pour, or whatever. The psalm comes up and says, "Hey, the eighteen sixty five is out of stock forever." Like, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> what happens with hundred and fifty no year old shit. cognac. Like, They're not bringing that one back. He's huh? like, "Will the eighteen, you know, forty one suffice?" And I was like, "For the same price, I guess." And yeah, for the same price, I like. And the reality was, I wasn't drinking it because eighteen forty one cognac was a great vintage. I was drinking it for the novelty of drinking something from 1841, but at the same time, you know, it, like some of these Van Winkles, I'm just not going to pay you two thousand twenty three, twenty five, twenty eight hundred dollars for a bottle of it. no, I'm just not. But I'll pay you 150 dollars for a glass to try it.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I'll tell you. I mean, I always tell people one of my favorite picks that you have here, and everybody says, you know, I go in. And it's kind of the reason for our show. People get overwhelmed when they go into a liquor store. Like, four Kitchen OWA might be <laughs> one of the best picks. Like, you come in here, you get that OWA, it, you're never going to be disappointed. I think it's better. I mean, we've done a blind in an episode where we did two OWA picks up against an old rip. And we did it blind. And the OWA picks won so it's one of those things where you, you find something that's really good and you sure. trust the palate that is behind it. Yeah. Which brings me to another question for you. Mm. So you're a food guy. I mean, you... you.
2: I play one on TV.
1: True. <laughs> but, I mean, more so than some other people, you might be in tune to your, your senses and how things hit your palate. Because right. Because it's something that you have been trained to do how do you bring that into whiskey and then what do you look for when you're picking a
2: whiskey? so to me that you know that's i, I love the fact that you asked that cause I, it's been an idea on my mind and i've talked to drew Colzine about it, and i've talked to Marianne barnes about it and i've talked to uh buddy of mine, uh javier viegas who's a uh big tequila mezcal importer and, and uh i don't they there's certain formulas that i know that i like and and is not one that I know that I don't like, so I don't necessarily, uh, you know, lean towards a certain a certain mash bill or not. I I lean towards whiskey that's good, and maybe it's got more barley in it than you would expect, or more more wheat, or more rye, or hell, maybe it's just all corn. I you know, it, to me it doesn't matter. Like I don't I don't buy or pick based on names or, or formulas or anything else. You know, it's, it's the stuff that, that when you taste it, you go, Jesus, what, you, what is this nectar that I'm, that I'm sipping on right now? That's, and same thing with food. You know, it's, I heard a great quote one time of this chef in Charleston like, So I spent all this time growing this damn heirloom tomato and instead of just slicing it and putting salt on it and enjoying it for the beauty that it is, which are delicious. I turn it into a foam and a cloud and spray it in the air and you sniff it and everything. I was like, Why? like I just want good food and that's that's what it's about It's just to me it's just about good food it's just it's just about a good drink is it 8 years old is it 2 years old is it 20 years old I mean you know what I I've, I've had 2 year old whiskeys that are killer I've had 25 year old whiskeys that are horrible and so to me there's there's no specific like rhyme or reason to it it's more of a um, it is what it is so is, is it a mouthfeel
1: thing then
2: it can or- be I mean, mouthfeel. It can be, it can be an aftertaste. It can be um, the initial flavor. It can be the nose. It can, I mean, to me, there's, it's got to be balanced too. You know, there's the the one sided is. You don't want a glass that you want to sit there and smell the whole time, or a glass that you have to hold your nose just to drink. But damn it, it's delicious when you do that. I mean, you know, you're just trying to trying to get a buzz at that point. But you know, it's about overall. You get know, a lot of that. It's about overall balance, um, and some just hit you. But some are sometimes like you'll get you'll get something that's just like a big, I don't know, brown sugar or maple syrup bomb. It is kind of one sided, but damn, it's just so good. It's like I'll take it. I'll just, sometimes you take an overload of movie popcorn when you're at the movies. Like you don't want that kind of buttery bullshit every day in your life. You're sitting there in the movies with a big. Fountain Coke that the governor of New York won't let you drink legally anymore, um, and that generically fake buttered popcorn to Bob your got side. I'm you, gonna you
0: that time.
2: And, <laughs> and, and you know what? And you're gonna sip and, and, and eat and sip and eat, and you're gonna wipe that 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 completely fake chemical all over your pants. That shit's never coming out, <laughs> never coming out of your system either. By the way, but it's just perfect on a hot summer day in a nice cold movie theater, right?
0: Chef has now caught us both at the perfect timing of having a pour, and he said something just off the wall. And we have, we have both had it come out of our nose a little bit right now, I'm pretty sure. I mean, John was most recently
2: a whiskey coming out of your nose.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if we have a central theme behind this
2: interview, but it has been one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> There's no, you're talking to a chef. It's all Ooh, rabbit holes, my yeah. man. Oh,
0: yeah. So n- normally he tries to time something out to catch me on those. So the
1: fact that he got caught even better. Oh, I always try to give a cheesy dad joke, right? When Zeke is trying to take a sip of something. So he just looks at me like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, rabbit hole. You haven't had the, the maple uh, four roses from Lincoln Road? No. That he just picked? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've never had something that was like you know how they have those bourbon maple syrups now?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was like a bourbon maple syrup, but it was actually a four roses. So that's the thing, you know. Dan and Brett are sitting on stuff and I don't know how you unlock the keys to the goodies, but uh, every now and then these see some of these guys are pulling these, these barrels. Not that four roses is bad, but taste some that just just blow your mind that there, oh, you know, that there
0: are Four Roses. Supposedly that mutual friend might know
2: Brett uh, Wells. Well, I mean, also we've, we've tried, yeah. We've, we've <laughs> tried getting them liquored up. We've tried them biting them over. We've tried eating them dinner. We, yeah. Well, the one you have, man got to do around right here right? to get I mean, a favor? Seriously. <laughs> the
1: 404 four, uh, four Roses pick, lots of fours there, but yeah. the, a lot, the lot, Four of Roses pick that you did last year, yeah. we both got a bottle of that oh, it was great.
2: We burned through that. Right. It just burned through it.
1: Not saying, yeah, you know, one might have fallen off the truck. And, yeah, and sometimes into our it happens, cabins, but
2: it's a great. Have you been on four forty? What? Yeah, Bumpy roads, man. <laughs> Shut. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, whole, the whole thing is uh, tore up. Thank God they're fixing it. <laughs> that bourbon's gonna fall off anymore.
1: But it goes back to something that that you were bringing up earlier, though, and where I was going before we had a, a big rabbit hole. I almost think because now picks are the, the place to be, and picks are what everyone is gravitating to. I should use correct English. Well, but it's,
2: but it's but it's yeah,
1: it's it's personal. But it's but it's one of those things though, where distilleries. For distilleries it's not as personal as it is for us.
2: Well, but I think they're I think they're getting out of the, the realization, like you take somebody like Jack Daniels, they are such a recognizable recognizable brand. That for them to have the mindset of every bottle of jack that you taste is just like every bottle of jack you ever tasted, completely understandable. Like same with Coca-Cola. You you try it. I just, you know, as I'm thinking about that, it's just not true because Mexican Coke is so much better. But, <laughs> What's the sugar? Um, but, but it's it's that brand. It's, it's you know, uh, Starbucks. Everywhere you go, it tastes the same. Like, worldwide. I, I think some players are getting out of that mindset and realizing, oh, the nuances of uh, individual barrels um, are, are better. Uh, and the hell I was at Willett last week doing a, a tasting and... Drew handed me a glass and she's like, God, this is, this is not only how old. And he told me, he said, Your boy passed us up. And I I mean, I immediately texted this guy, I'm like, Have you, How drunk were you when you were up here? And he's like, It wasn't at all, man. I wanted something, I, I was going for a spicier profile. I was like, that's it. Like, John, and, and, and my buddy is John Currents, his chef in Oxford. John was looking for a spicier bourbon. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't looking for, the smoother, sweeter side or anything else. And so for him, that barrel wasn't the perfect barrel. And that's the reality. This isn't the perfect barrel of Old Forrester. We all love it. There's plenty out there that, like, doesn't taste like Old Forrester. Well, I mean it kinda does. It doesn't like it doesn't taste like every Old Forester you pull off the shelf, but it's old Forrester-esque, right? The same thing with the Elijah Craig. Or I mean, it just for as many people as there are that like it, there's there's plenty of people that that aren't.
1: Well, the funny thing is, as we're going through this Elijah Craig, and, and the problem I have is I keep blowing through these because they're <laughs> so good. Well, And blowing it out your nose a little bit. And blowing it out my nose a little bit. But this Elijah Craig, I mean, if I'm getting a theme here, these are two very creamy picks of something that, you know, typically would not be, would be a mid-tier bourbon. You know, yep. an Elijah Craig is a, a $30 bottle. Yep. Old Forrester is a... Old or single barrels and a you know, 40 to $50 bottle. Yep. But these, they are like uh, a freshman in, in high school that hangs out with all the seniors. A, you little, know, they are, a little more refined
2: than you would expect. Yeah, they are uh, old souls. Not as not as gangly walking down the road. Um, no, it, that's the thing. And, and, you know, all the single barrel pickers in the world we want to pick the, the unicorn, obviously. Um... But the reality is the unicorns aren't just... Yeah. I think as soon as you give that up, you do yourself a big favor.
0: Every, you, you might find it one day, you might not, but as long as you walk out the door happy with if you're what always, you have...
2: If you're always worried about what you're going to miss, you're going to miss everything, right? Yep. And so, you're right. Once you get it out of your mind that I can only pick unicorns, you're going to pick some fun stuff. Because we've, um, we've
0: talked to people that... You know, they, they get at least what they perceive as being their unicorn. And after that, they're, they're more or less just screwed. Like well, they're going to taste it. And it's w- like, it's well, it's them, good, but it's not as good as my last one. What else I, do you
2: have? I've, I've picked a unicorn. And one, one of my closest friends, this was the first person to say, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you do? He said, no, I don't. <laughs> so I guess I, said, I can I take these I
0: put aside for you back, yeah. right? Well,
2: and I'm just yeah. like, I'm I, I, in, in. in, in <laughs> You know, and and this person is is deep in this world, and and I knew he wouldn't like it. I knew it as soon as I tasted it. It's like, I mean, literally one of my first thoughts was, Man, "He's not gonna like it," <laughs> but it's okay, you know, because there's however many more out there for all of us to, to enjoy. I'll say this is eight years old, if I remember right. But this a lot. I mean, it's funny because you say you don't look
1: for you don't look for anything in particular. I still describe this Elijah Craig. I mean, it's got a creaminess to it. It's funny, and a lot of your picks, the OWA pick, I thought the same thing, and and some of the other ones I had, it's a a mouthfeel aspect of it to me. And maybe it's a subconscious thing. Maybe Maybe we're sitting on the couch, and and I'm learning more about you than you thought you knew about yourself. But there is a a mouthfeel creaminess to these that... You don't get typically in some of these picks. I mean, Elijah Craig is like a daily drinker at 94 proof that I know I'm going to be able to have two or three and not phase it. And when I'm working late at night, You have the yeah. computer open, everything's okay. Yeah. And it's, this is... It's very compartmental that flows very
0: well to me. It's kind of hard for me to have that dichotomy yeah. of something being singled out but at the same time flowing but with a uh, John's creaminess okay. note and to me that the compartmentalist that just flows of a initial burst and just sh- sh- real nice sweetness right up front and then your rye yeah. kind of just kicks in just enough to say hey this isn't water and then right on the back there's just enough oak to show age so you know on paper there's really nothing else that's missing from this and the fact that it just flows
2: from front to back and, and well and it's got a minerality too that 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 is replaced where normally I would get the kind of um, I don't want to say lackluster, but sometimes quick finish or or uh, sharp finish or tannic finish that I normally get off Elijah Craig.
0: Well, I think too, like you know the, the whiskey dinners and other stuff you guys do here as far as educational type stuff. Yeah, that's perfect. You can describe yeah. every single component and aspect of you know the grains, what the age did to it, yeah. etc. and I think any lay person but oh, well, shit, it all makes sense now.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you do, you get a lot, you know, there's there's a lot you can taste from the different grains in there for sure. I guess there is kind of a fattiness to it. I and mean, that, I, you know, it's one of the things I tell people like don't don't need a fat-free diet. To some a flavor-driven guy, not a, hey, this is what you should eat kind of guy. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs>
1: I mean, we're, we're all at fault here, I think. Uh, no, nobody can point any fingers. I don't want to end this interview, and by no means is this a way to end the interview right now, but to sum up your life... Oh, God. You have it's been... a very short summation. <laughs> it's a very short summation, but you're going to call me a wise sage. Oh, yeah? It's almost like throwing away the fat with your mom made you chase the fat for the rest of your life. Maybe.
2: It's literally, it's one of the few, like, the few real distinct cooking memories that I have, and and, uh, and that's one of them. And I can tell you, I mean, like, and I also kind of remember thinking at Boy Scout games, like, man, spaghetti's good.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: Dutch oven cooking
0: is yeah. wonderful.
1: You know yeah, what right? I used to make all the time that I wish people still made, and it was hamburger helper, but it wasn't the hamburger helper in the way of, like, you buy the hamburger burger helper with the oven mitt that talked right was you actually got mac and cheese and you got the hamburger and you you cooked it all up and then you mixed them both together like it wasn't the way that you know so i would always tell my parents when i was younger like i'm gonna cook and i always made macaroni and cheese and hamburger and put it together yeah (laughs) but yeah that's i mean but i kept the fat
0: so I, I did yeah. make this uh, epic chili one time in the Boy Scouts. We were doing the uh, you know patrol style and everybody pools together in big Dutch ovens and all that. Right. So I transcribed the recipe at the Scout Hut on Monday night for chili and whatnot. Me and Mom go to the grocery go and buy all the ingredients. You know, one guy puts the bill and we split it on the back end. <laughs> oh, well, we start grabbing onions and green peppers, God I love our mom's like, now how many do you need? I'm like, it says 11 and a half cups. He's like, well, I mean, you didn't say the whole troop was going, and I, I, I guess you are feeding everybody. So I, I could see it might, maybe makes sense. So we get out there on, you know, following Saturday, and we're out there cutting, and everybody's doing prep, or you know, whatever you want to call it back there, and your kids. Well, here come the scoutmasters, and, and granted, we're at least a third of the way into these 11 and a half cups of onions. <laughs> And we're literally ro- taking turns rotating from the tiers. Right, yeah. And the scoutmaster, one of them, loved to give me a hard time. I think they all did, and I took it with a grain of salt as well. But uh, what in the hell are you doing, boy? Well, the recipe book said 11 and a half cups. They said, Who in the hell are you going to feed that chili to? Nobody's going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out when we got back uh, on Monday at Scout Hut again, it was uh, one and a half cups. Sure, sure. L- luckily, they, they did interject and say, I don't care what you think you wrote down. You're, you're not putting that much food in there because then all you little bastards are going to be hungry later and there's not going to be food for 20 something kids. But uh, I, I never lived that one down. It was uh, no. just known as 11 and a half cups
2: there for Absolutely. a while. Absolutely. Yeah, as you should be.
1: So this next one here is something that's out
2: of uh It's North out of Carolina. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina. American single malt. <laughs>
1: And I uh, met Ollie a couple weeks ago. Definitely. He was at the Nashville Cocktail Festival. Jolly old Irishman. Ah, oh, Ollie he's, Mulligan. He's a hell of a guy. Oh, he's a hoot. We're, we're we're trying to get him on at some point,
2: but yeah, now it might you, be worth the drive to Charlotte. Really? I, you know, I I haven't been to this place. So I want to go. We're kind of burning through these these bottles, so uh, road trip. I know it'd be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll uh, go. What? Maybe pick another. It, we we
1: couldn't get it cleared from the better halves, but we try to go. We just <laughs> need to find somebody with a plane. Yeah. We you know someone with a plane? We both do. Yeah, he's our golfing buddy. Yeah, we both. should not play golf. Last time we golfed was uh, Father's Day three years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I've never been a big golfer. Um,
1: no, but Zeke and I used to golf together all the time with this guy. Yes. And I think the last time we golfed, I haven't seen Trip in a while. I have to look him up. Yeah, he's a good dude, though, and he likes whiskey.
2: Yeah, so that's how epic barrel picks happen. You see. There's planes and booze, and and that would be no different than doing a planes barrel, and this is No different than
0: a weekday barrel pick. We just fly out in the morning, do the pick, and fly back. And we're it. home at the right time. That's it. Kids get picked up from daycare,
1: and as long as I'm home to make dinner, yeah. it's everything's That's okay. It. That's it. So this one, you picked yeah. this, and you were saying that there are so, one, two different barrels. Yeah,
2: Ollie Ollie brought in six samples, and um, we went through them, and and I kind of explained what I'm looking for, and, and kind of the edgy one. You know, there's one. There's always a pick you fall in love with, and there's a pick that you uh, that you want to love. It's got a little bit too much edge to it. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily take it home to mom and dad, right? And so we went through this barrel picks, and I told him, I said, "This bottle of this is this is the best one." And he said, "I agree." And I said, "This is the one I'll take." I mean, you'd have thought I'd to call called his daughter ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I don't understand. What what do you? You just said that's the best. I said it is, but it's it's the best right now. As it sits, it's the best. As, you know, with the amount of oxygenation that's happened, it's the best. With the the amount of filtration, it's the best. Um, but it still has to go through however many miles of tubing. Um, and shaken up and spit out and sprayed out and sprayed back in and filtered through and, you know, all these things it goes through. And that's gonna change this kind of edginess. It's gonna polish. And he see. you know, he stared at me for a second. I thought, It's gonna go it's gonna go bad. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, this isn't gonna end well. And he said, No, I'll bottle it myself. Sprite, the bottling line. He said, No, no, like I'll hand bottle it. I won't I won't filter it. I Alright, I'll go with this one then. And he did. He put it on the forklift and set it on the Coke machine or whatever and poured it out through a funnel of of just a a coffee filter and and bottled it.
1: Oh, and it's funny because, you know, I I dabble in scotch more so than Zeke. But I really do like the American malts that have that barley aspect to it. Yeah. That it doesn't have the peat, though. And it's not, I feel like an American malt, you know, it's not an Irish whiskey where it really goes down, people hate that word, smooth. But it goes down. Irish whiskey goes down. Smooth. That's 115 proof. This is 115 proof, and it has a little kick to it. You can tell in your finish. you're, yeah. you're Just barely, though. It's very, very barely, but it's it's a little bit of heat in the throat. It's not yeah. in the chest. But no. I do like American malts because they they have that barley aspect of it. It's almost like Old Elk now is doing that too, from a bourbon point of view. That more maltiness, the Stranahans. Old elk. It's a very palatable malt.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a two row Pilsner. It's um you know it's stored inside on a in a four it's four tier if you say but it's like four level of of barrels thirty five gallon barrels I and mean, that's that's only eighteen months old. That's the real kicker. And I don't get the citrus and the youth, you know that you would get none 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 none. As a matter of fact, what I get really, what sold me on it was right at the top of that glass. It's like sausage and pancakes and maple syrup. Just every time I drink this, I want breakfast. It's a breakfast shot. <laughs> a lot of times I get the um,
0: those oatmeal drop cookies. Mm-hmm. There's a little something else to it because it's not quite oatmeal and light
2: milk chocolate. Yeah, but it's but, but it's like it's like an oatmeal drop where somebody decided to use dark brown sugar instead mm-hmm. of instead of white granulated. You know. So big question
1: here, you know. and, and this is where I really see bourbon going and you would be a great person to ask how often you know because you always have wine pairings yeah and everybody talked about this wine pairs with this meal yeah when are we going to have bourbon pairings where you have different types of bourbon whether or not it's a weeder or a low proof or a
2: high well, you know we do that now when we do these whiskey dinners and i'm getting more and more into it because i think you can it was funny i uh god i hate to say it i was at a place that I won't mention the name and I, I uh, mentioned pairing whiskeys particularly bourbons with food and the bartender told me you should never do that because you'll kill the food I wanted to choke this dude <laughs> you were like "Because you know I thought, who I am not no that thought didn't come to my mind no the thought I'll that came to my mind part no, part. no 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 <laughs> say it all you want because the thought that came to my mind was do you know who your fucking boss is you shouldn't be saying this yeah. at all if you knew what your boss did, you'd be ashamed of yourself. Because I think you can, and you know, uh, I was talking to Javier about this this, uh, this exact concept. They're doing it, he's trying to do it with mezcal and he's you know getting pushed back because you know mezcal's kind of the, the, the uh I can see that getting crazy, back. crazy brother of tequila, right? Yeah. And to me, Mezcal's the whiskey of the agave world right? Every tequila I've ever tasted is reminiscent of every tequila I've ever tasted. You have lighter, heavier, richer, smoother, um, less refined. Mezcal's though, you have herbaceous and mineral and salty and smoky and citrus and sweet and light and floral. And like everyone is different. Everyone's agave, but everyone is different. And so to me, like, yeah, Mezcal is, is the whiskey of the tequila world, but why would it not pair good with food? I mean, I, I love whiskey, right? But if we're going to go sit on the beach right now and I'm going to hand you half a coconut full of ceviche, you want a Rua or do you want a great chilled Mezcal? Because I want the Mezcal. I'm going to kind of get that whiskey burned and it's smoky. But well, it does gonna... scare off a lot of people. Oh,
0: it does. I've, I've, I've got one friend that... He and I both enjoy mezcal, and countless
2: that if I say mezcal, they they walk out of the room. I love mezcal, and actually Javier and I, because he might have just obtained uh, a a Weller 107 that I picked. It's a great pick. I don't know how, and I might have just obtained a bottle of his mezcal, and so we're on a um uh, we have a partnership where every month he finds a particular bottle of whiskey. Uh, and I find a particular bottle of mezcal, and we share all the information about it. And you want to talk about a ride? I mean, it's been some of these. When we think that you know, there's whiskey snobs and there's there's people that are that are true to form and, and pure in their ways of production, or whatever. Some of these some of these mezcal producers haven't changed in forever. Oh man! No.
1: Well, that's a whole rabbit hole to go down. Yeah,
2: I told you. You're talking to a chef, man. It's. <laughs> Well, we'll come back. We, we will
1: do a part two here uh, sometime. Um, All right. but right. I'm usually here. I want to talk about... Except when I'm not. Well, I think, the better, <laughs> I think the better thing is if we could bike ourselves up and then we go in the kitchen.
2: Just just chat. That
1: would be fun, right? Like, watch us try to cook next to you. But there's a bunch of lockers here in the bar. And if you yeah. come into Gertie's bar and... and uh, one thing I should ask is, that's an interesting name for a bar.
2: Right. What,
1: how did you pick the name
2: Gertie? So we wanted to uh, basically name it after a bootlegger. You know, it's kind of down underground. It's it's in the basement of the restaurant. Um, it's, and we started researching bootleggers, and what we found was, well, one, you can't just name a Capone's because there's too many Capones out there, and two... Most of these dudes do pretty heinous individuals, like they did some really bad shit. And <laughs> I mean, it's like everything's great. Oh man, you murdered 91 people. Damn, okay, can't name it after you. Um, one of my partners found was researching for whatever reason. He said, You know, it's like you typically name a boat after a woman or whatever. And, and so he like said, Female bootleggers. And, and his name, Cleo Lithgow, came up. And uh, we started researching her, and Gertrude Lithgow. Uh, was it was a was a lady rum runner, and just a badass woman. She was partners with Bill McCoy. That's where we get the name the real McCoy, because Bill didn't water down his booze. So if you got the real McCoy, you got legit spirits, right? She retired from rum running and, and opened a rental car agency in, in <laughs> Detroit, Michigan, and she, you know. It's been great. You know, the, well, this like the Chicago Tribune wrote an article about her in, in during Prohibition where she got into a, a fight with a cab driver in New York City because the cabbie couldn't break a thousand dollar bill and that's all she had in her purse, thousand dollar bills, right? And this lady was a true, a true, wow. a truly badass woman. Her family's got in touch with me, and they've been here for dinner, and I've learned so many things. Like she took care of her her sister that who was who was um, deaf and mute. She took care of her all her life, right? She carried a gun with her all her life. She dressed like this this you know crazy uh, um, God, what was the period the, you know, the dancers back in the in the prohibition, how those ladies danced I mean, she was always very eclectic right. But this lady that grew up with Aunt, Ger- Aunt Gertrude it's like yeah my, she, she would have my dad take her to the bank which meant drop me off at the corner and come back in 20 minutes. And she'd be <laughs> at the corner in 20 minutes and have a purse full of cash and a pistol. Huh. Nobody knew where the bank was. Like um, she knew Al Capone didn't like him because she couldn't trust him. Like this lady was, and you never read about female bootleggers. No. And either either there weren't that many, which may be the case, or they just kept secrets better than dudes, which is probably the case. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> a, a lot,
1: a lot on both sides of that coin. I'm pretty a sure lot
2: less of an ego, right? And uh, so that's what we you know we came up with Gertie's.
1: Well, that's a great name. It's and kind of fun. You guys have a whiskey program here now, but yeah, whiskey, so which it's, sets you apart from other places
2: in town. So we have these private lockers, um, and you come in. The lockers are free. You just have to commit to so, so many bottles a year to buy in 12 months. And it's it's the barrel picks that we do. And it's it's not every one of them because it's, it's some, you know, some we only get X amount of bottles of, and we just don't have enough to, to give to everybody. So... But for the most part, it's, it's all the barrel picks we do. Uh, and we store them in the locker for you, and you come in and, and with your friends and drink them and, and eat with us. And, and we do different events throughout the year, different tastings. Every every couple of weeks, we'll do a Whiskey Wednesday where uh, all the members are notified first, and and they want to come in, and we'll try stuff with, with distillers or uh, new barrel picks we're about to release or just, you know, for fun.
1: Well, you gotta you know, it's admit that, it's pretty badass. Like, if you're if you're taking a significant other, or you're on a date, and you're like, "Hold on, let's go to this place." Yes, please open my locker. And, and- well, and you
2: know, you don't get a like this this bottle of Jack Black out. Not that there's anything wrong with Jack Black, but you know, you talk about oh, what's the rarest bottle in here? That people people immediately they point to Pappy, right? Oh, it's that Van Winkle. It's like, well, I mean, if you look online, there was. Eleven thousand bottles of that produced. Well, I
1: mean, the you know, the, the discerning, discerning eye, ninety
2: six of those.
1: But the discerning <laughs> eye, you look here, and it's like you have the Eclipse Medley, which yep. that is probably one of the rarest bottles that you're going to see up there. That is a bottle that was picked
2: on the the total solar a total lunar place. eclipse. Yeah,
1: you know, you have some other stuff up there that is not. They're not things that you can get everywhere. Your barrel pick just like you said, your Rua. There's less Rua that was picked by four oh four than there is lot bees in this world.
0: Yeah, you know, John. I don't think a yeah. significant other or a date is really going to be impressed by what's in the locker, though. But you bring in some good friends, drinking friends. Now that, that's who you're going to impress, though.
2: But you know, but you get you have a, you have but you have a private locker full of private barrels, and and, and we that,
1: well, that's impressive,
2: right? Maybe, I mean, maybe
0: I'm just like we've got like you, you bring thing. the wife and she's like, oh, one more thing you spent money on for booze. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we both know where that's going. Maybe I'm just thinking of how I could pick Zeke up. I don't know exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is me hey, bringing baby. some of our friends in here and going. Check this shit out. Yeah, me, hey man, can you, open number, can you open number
2: thirty-two for me? Exactly. There's something in there waiting. Thanks. Exactly. Um, and you know, and, and but people are coming to us and, and distillers saying, "Hey, can we fill a load of X in the in the lockers?" Like, no, yeah, why not? Don't care. You know, and that's the other thing too. Like with some some older uh, bottles, I want to find something that I can get. Maybe I find it in auction or something like that. But it's like, great, here we go. There's there's so many ounces in this bottle and we're gonna we're gonna fill every bottle halfway up until there it's like great guys not a big taste but next time you're in there's a uh, a one ounce pour of this oh that's yeah. awesome so it's just, cool. it's just fun and, and what it is is you know it's not it's really not about making money what it is is about collecting a group of people um that when they come in we already know what they want to enjoy which means we can just make your experience that much better yeah, it's just the so, family. That's it. Exactly. It's an extended family. We're trying to put more up here. Uh, overall I'd like to get to seventy five to hundred ish altogether. Maybe we cap it at seventy five or so, just because we get I'm a numbers guy. The lockers are in fifteen locker increments and you can't get to hundred <laughs> evenly with fifteen locker increments. So seventy five. Seventy five to ninety. Ninety's like ninety's <laughs> the only even number you get to and, and but that's it. And and but then, too, we can get some really cool barrels because we don't have to sit on too much. We just burn through them. And, and you know, some barrels you can buy a bottle of, some you can buy four bottles of.
1: Well, that would be awesome. And and we love seeing what you've done, how you've grown. We'd love to come back here yeah, sometime and, and sit with you again. We really appreciate it. But Matt uh, Chef Chef Bolus, thank
2: you for <laughs> I, gotta give you- I feel like you're talking to my dad, but he no. can't cook. <laughs>
1: But it's one of those things it's it's funny you always call a chef like chef but you don't always call it it's just one of those things like it's one of those titles like doctor you know it's like He's Dr. Baker, but I never call him Dr. Baker. Right. Uh, yes. But you call him. Well, I will from now Sharon. on. <laughs> no, no, no one calls me that. <laughs> he's, he's a pharmacist. You only have to do that when you're sending him a wedding invite.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's the only time. Yeah. No, that's only for another only for Dr. Baker, my kid's getting out of high school.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the only time you mention <laughs> hey, Dr. The, 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 those just hit, actually. I got two this past week. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: But no, we, Matt, we appreciate having you on. We love everything you're doing. If you guys are coming into Nashville, please come to the 404 Kitchen. It, it's just a great place. Gertie's Bar, if you saw this bar, it's crazy awesome. Come down here and check it out. Zeke, you know where the folks can check us out? Well, actually, wait. <laughs> Matt, anything you want to say? Before-
2: no, Matt. this has been great. <laughs>
1: <No>. Any- <laughs> yeah, Matt, anything you want to say before we go?
2: Just thanks for coming down. You're welcome back anytime. We'll be here. Hey, for once, they didn't throw us out of a place.
1: I know. And don't say that because you will eventually. <laughs> they
2: Zeke, haven't kicked me out yet.
1: <laughs> Zeke, if the folks want to find us, they can find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Please leave us an open and honest review just like we openly and honestly review whiskey. You can also join our Facebook group, Dad Drinking Bourbon. It's 3,000 and growing. Please join the conversation. We'd love to have you there and answer a couple of questions, and we will let you in. Zeke, where else can the folks find us?
0: Good old Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao.